And the Bible says that Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day when God spoke to them. So he's the third voice. But now we have a fourth voice that's being introduced. And some of you all in this room have four voices in your relationship. And the sad part about it is some of your fourth voices are creating dissension in your relationship. Oh, I'm being real today, ain't I? If there are things that you feel more comfortable about talking to your girlfriend or your homeboy homeboy about, about your marital relationship, if you feel more comfortable talking to somebody else, something's wrong. Because you ought to be able to talk about everything and anything when it comes to your relationship with your spouse. Why are y'all looking at me like that? You will create more intimacy with the person you're telling than the person you're not telling. What style of communication influences how you communicate? Here's the first style of communication, trauma style. These are things that have happened that your spouse may or may not even told you, but because they went through something tragic, every decision they're making is being filtered through this dirty filter called trauma. Here's number two, the mama style. Now you communicate like mama. You saw mama when she got mad, she shut down, she ain't talked to nobody. Here's number three, sauna style. Sauna style is communication that is never shared. You keep it in and it boils until something finally erupts you. The fourth one is trauma, drama style. And this is communication that has no filter. Here's the fourth one. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Coma style. You know how people go in a coma? Coma style is communication that is non-existent. My husband don't talk that much. Yes, he does. He's talking that word. Communicating and resolving conflict, listen, church, is all about what you say and how you say it. All right, stand up. I'm going to do our confession, and then we're going to jump into the word today. Are y'all ready? Y'all need to be ready. Hold up your Bibles. Repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, my ears are open, and I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for every married couple that's in this room and those who are watching me through the lens. And I pray today that you will do what you said you would. Your word says it will never return to you void, but it will accomplish the thing that you sent it out to do. And so, Father, as I declare your word today, I thank you that it is going to supernaturally and gracefully reset every marital couple in this room and those who are watching who need it. And I declare for signs, miracles, and wonders to take place in their relationship, in their family, in their destinies, and most of all, Father, in the kingdom, in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, today is our final lesson in our relationship series entitled, Can We Talk? Just look at your spouse and say, can we talk again? Now, if you're taking notes, our message title is Resetting Your Relationship. Resetting Your Relationship. And the purpose of the message today is to provide you with some wisdom, some insight, and some action steps that will help you reset your relationship. Now, there are times when some things have to be reset. Everybody say reset. They've been operating so long that there's a need to reset whatever it is. And recently, my mom uh, started having problems with her landline phone. And uh, for some reason, it, it, it wouldn't let calls come in and it wouldn't allow her to dial out. It was so bad that uh, these are wireless handhelds uh, or handsets and they wouldn't even charge on the base. And so after a couple of days of using her cell phone to make whatever necessary calls, she realized she's either going to have to fix the phone or replace the phone. And so uh, I gave her some instructions on resetting her phone. Everybody say reset. I gave her some instructions on resetting her phone. And I went on to explain to her why sometimes there's a need for that. In essence, I told her that anytime there is an unexpected power loss or a power surge or maybe just something simple uh, that may create it, you know, a mechanical problem, sometimes you have to reset. And I believe sometimes you can get in this mode in your marital relationship where you need to reset some things. So just look at your spouse and say, he's talking to us right now. And so after advising her on what to do, I had her to unplug all of the equipment and leave it unplugged for about a minute. And then she replugged it back in. And guess what? Her phone worked as if it was never broken. And I believe today's message, if you receive it and if you apply it, will reset, restore, and refresh your marriage. Amen. Even if your relationship isn't currently malfunctioning, resetting also allows for updates and new features and, and uh, changes. You know, how many have gotten a phone and this is telling you you need to update it? Well, even if you're not having some difficulties or some malfunctions in your marriage, I still believe that these principles I'm going to give you in resetting your relationship will also still apply to you. So... What I'm going to do today is very different. Um, I'm going to give you some keys on how to reset your relationship. Now, listen, anytime your relationship gets in like a like a in a corner or you it needs to go to another level. These principles just come back and watch the video because this is one of those things. This is like ongoing medication. You know, it's like a supplement. You can take it all the time or take it any time. Now, when God downloaded this topic to me, I was like, okay, God, he made it very clear that he wanted me to talk about resetting your relationship. So I was like, okay, give me a biblical example of a couple resetting their marital relationship in the Bible. Because how many know this is called Word of Truth Family Church and we're going to teach the word. So as I was asking him that, he gave me a different example to use, and I thought it was so good. So 
the example he gave me was, watch this now, him needing to reset his relationship with us. Because once Adam and Eve messed up, it messed up his relationship with mankind. So God had to go through some steps to reset his relationship with us. And so there are three things that God did to reset his relationship with us. And I'm going to give you what these three are. And then we're going to talk about some additional things that you and I can do to reset. So here's reset key number one. That is follow God's example and be willing to become an example. Follow God's example. When it comes to reset, follow his example and be willing to become an example. John 3.16, famous verse, but I'm going to point out to you that there are three things in John 3.16 that God did to reset his relationship with mankind. It says, for God so what? He so what? Who did he love? The world that he gave his only begotten son and that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, the son, might be saved. And so these three things are in this verse. Here's the first one if you're taking notes and if you're following us online. God decided to love us. He decided to love us. I love Romans chapter 5 verse 6. It says this, For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for who? Wow. He died for who? The ungodly. It says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, and yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God, everybody say, but God. But God, he commended his love. He showed his love towards us. How? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, that verse is telling us that even though we were messed up, God still decided to love us so that he could reset his relationship with us. Listen to now the uh, New Living Translation of that in Romans chapter 5 verse 8. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet still sinners. Verse 9. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Here's verse 10. This is so good. For since our friendship with God was restored, I want to use the word reset. Since our friendship with God was restored or reset, how? By the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through, his, through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. Why? Because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. This love that God gave us was unconditional. It was undeserving. We did not deserve it at all. And this is one of the things you're going to have to do to reset your relationship. You're going to have to now choose to love unconditionally. Well, pastor, they don't deserve it. You didn't either. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what they did. I don't know what you did either for God to save you. So unconditional love is necessary in order to reset. Amen. Everybody say unconditional love is necessary in order for me to reset my relationship. And some of you need 
to reset. After today, some of you all don't need to turn the page of the book and start over. You need to throw that book away. Too many memories in that book. Too many situations in that book. That, that book has so much history in it that it's crowding out your hope for your future. You know how they say turn a new page, a new leaf over? Well, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to get a new journal. We're going to buy a whole new one. And so now uh, buying a whole new one, uh, it, what it does is it keeps you from being tempted to go back and turn the page. and go. See, you go back now, ain't nothing there. Now you say, well, I'm just going to go back and pick up the old journal. No, we're going to burn it today. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that weak internet signal clap over there. <laughs> you know, you got a weak internet signal. You got one bar. <laughs> I had one light clap over there to my left. So number one. God chose to love us unconditionally. Here's number two. This is how God reset his relationship with us. God decided to give to us. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he what? He what? He what? He gave his son. Watch this now. Which is a manifestation of his grace. In other words, what did God give us? He gave us grace. It says, by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And the only way your marital relationship will be able to get reset, watch this church, is by you giving grace to your spouse. How many like to get grace? How many? Hey, you ever, you ever uh, uh, got pulled over by the police? And you deserved the ticket. And for some reason, they gave you some grace. Has that ever happened to you before? Let me see your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it doesn't happen that much for me. That's why I don't speed. I, was, uh, I went to go visit my mom, and uh, one of my friends growing up works at the dollar store that's in that small city called Hutchins. And so I text him on the way God put it on my heart to do something for him. And so uh, I text him and said, hey, uh, will you step out? I want to give you something. So he steps out and uh, I'm, in, I'm in my car and I, I pull up in the handicap space. Uh, and I left my car running. I'm standing by my car. I didn't, I didn't leave my car. I didn't leave the car. I didn't do that. There was still a handicapped space open to my right. It's not like I was taking up somebody's space. There was still one over here. I'm not no going nowhere. I'm not in the store. I'm just going to pull it up to give him some a blessing. Next thing you know, the Hutchins police pulls up in the family dollar store. The only one in Texas shout out to the Hutchins police. He pulls up and he sits there for like, I don't know, five to seven minutes. I know what he's doing. He's running my plates. But I'm not scared because I have no warrants out. It's okay. So after like five to seven minutes of sitting there, then he cuts his lights on. What? 
What, what's the deal? So he comes up to me and he says, Mr. Connor, how are you? I said, I'm doing great. How are you? I said, what you need? What can I do for you? No, that's what I said. I mean, I'm showing the respect, but I'm not scared. I didn't do nothing. I don't think I did nothing. So he comes up to me and he says, Mr. Connor, <laughs> beautiful car. I said, thank you so much. I said, what can I do for you? He says, well, uh, we like to protect our handicapped spaces for people who really need to use them. I said, you should do that, officer. He says, please tell me you have a handicap sticker. I reached down off into the little pocket in my car and I gave him the handicap thing because I, I always ride my mom around and she gives me her handicap thing to use. I said, here it is. <laughs> I, this is what I wanted to do. <laughs> I didn't do that, though. I did show it to him, though. What do you think he did? Thank you so much, Mr. Connor. I said, I appreciate you checking, officer. Everybody say grace. Grace, grace, grace. You're going to have to give your spouse some grace. You say, well, Pastor, they don't have a handicap sticker. It doesn't matter. Grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. And just like us in the eyes of God, we didn't deserve it. In our eyes, your spouse may not deserve it. But we didn't deserve it and God gave it to us anyway. And can I tell you something about how grace works? You'll get more when you give more. John chapter 1, verse 14, it says this. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full, full of what? Grace. Full of what, church? Full of grace and what? And truth. Notice Jesus was full of grace. Are you full of grace for your spouse. Here's what's interesting. Most people are full of grace for other people. But the people who they really need to show grace towards, they have very limited amounts of grace. Watch this now. This is Ephesians chapter uh, 2 verse 8. It says, for by grace... Are you saved? You wouldn't even have salvation. I wouldn't have salvation if it was not for grace. He says, by grace are you saved. And watch this. It's through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Watch this. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You cannot work for grace and your spouse shouldn't have to work for it either. Thank you for that stronger internet signal in the back. Clap. So here's the third one real quick because this is only half of what I want to share. The third thing that God did to reset our relationship with him is that God forgave us. He loved us. He gave to us. And then he what? Forgave us. Watch this now. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 it says, And be kind one to another. 
tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, watch this, has what? Forgiven you. God, for whose sake? Christ's sake. What did he do? He forget. Uh, is it up there? Y'all okay? Huh? Y'all all right? Okay, just checking. We don't need no silent fights going down off over there in the seat now. Y'all, I can't see your hands, but, you know, your feet might be y'all kicking each other and stuff. Keep your hands to you, keep your hands and your feet to yourself for right now, all right? It says, and be kind one to another. Notice it says tenderhearted because you can't forgive unless your heart is tender. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Then he goes on to say, verse 5, be therefore followers of God. Remember, I'm talking about what's the whole point. The point is that God wants us, he needs to be, the, he's the example, and he wants us to be willing and to be the example as well. And so God forgave us for Christ's sake. Amen. So, verse 2 uh, verse 5, it says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God. And that's what giving grace does. It's a sacrifice. And, and a sacrifice, somebody has to die. And that's the issue with a lot of relationships. Most of us go into it for what the person can do for us. When really, in reality, you should go into the relationship making sure your job and purpose is to make that person's life better. Say amen. amen. All right, here's reset key number two. Reset key number two. A reset must be handled scripturally, not controlled emotionally. I'm going to say that again. A reset must be handled scripturally, not controlled emotionally. In other words, God's word should be the cornerstone and the foundation of your marriage. Watch this. Not your feelings and your emotions because they will always fluctuate. Matthew chapter 19 verse 3 says this. And the Pharisees came to Jesus, tempting him, saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that which, uh, that he which made them at the beginning, he made them male and female. Notice now the, the genders of a marital relationship, male and female. Verse 5, and said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Verse 6, here's the principle. Wherefore, there are no more two but one flesh. Watch this, read this with me. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Question, who joined them together? God did. Not the pastor. Not the justice of the peace. He only exercised what God has already in place. It says, whom God has joined together, let no man pull asunder. So marriage is a God thing before it's a man thing. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Marriage is a God thing before it's a man thing. Because if you go and read the book of Genesis, it goes on to say that it said that Adam and his wife were who married him. There was no justice of the peace. Pastor Evan wasn't there. 
Who married Adam and Eve? God did. Everybody say, marriage is a God thing before it's a man thing. Let me say it this way. Marriage is a spiritual thing before it's a physical thing. The New Living Translation of Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 says this. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Verse 6, since they are no longer two but one, watch this, let no one split apart what God has joined together. That includes you. Now, of course, there are other reasons because, you know, I get all kind of inboxes and responses. Oh, you know, uh, you, you're not addressing the whole thing about divorce. What, what if somebody is beating somebody? Well, it, it don't, I don't even need the Bible to know what to do with that. I don't need the Bible. I mean, if your hand is over a stove and the stove is on and it's hot, do you need the Bible to tell you to move your hand? Honey, what do I do? Go to Exodus chapter 5, verse quick, real quick. No, you know what to do. So I'm not talking about in circumstances where there's abuse or not. You know what to do with that. It's called you dial three numbers. Nine, one, what's the third number? Oh, y'all smart, praise the Lord. <laughs> Listen to the Living Bible of Matthew chapter 19. It says, some Pharisees came to interview him, and they tried to trap him into saying something that would ruin him. They said, do you permit divorce? And they asked, they asked. He says, don't you read the scriptures, he replied? In them it is written that at the beginning God created man and woman, and that, that a man should leave his father and his mother and forever, and be forever, and be forever united to his wife. God designed marriage to be forever. Say amen to that. And then he says, the two shall become no longer two, but one. And no man may divorce what God has joined together. Since marriage is a God thing before it's a man thing, marriage reset must start. Listen, church, it must start vertically before it can properly function horizontally. Oh, I'm going to say, see, this is good right here. Now, I know I've been giving y'all some strong medication. It's been strong. Last three, I know I've been hitting y'all hard. And here's why I'm hitting you hard. Because marriage is the foundation of, watch this, kingdom multiplication. I'm going to read what I said again. Since marriage is a God thing. Everybody say marriage is a God thing. Since marriage is a God thing before it's a man thing, a marriage reset must start vertically before the relationship, the marital relationship, can properly function horizontally. Let me tell you something. I, I, I see a lot of relationships, they end up in divorce or they end up separating, splitting, whatever word you want to use, because somebody's relationship with God got off. Amen. All right, so that was key. Here's key number three. This was hard. Ooh, this was hard. Look at your spouse and say, this was hard. Okay. Humility is a must or the relationship is a bust. Humility is a must or the relationship is a bust. Pride is the killer of everything that it touches. From a biblical sense, pride is us. Listen. 
refusing to do something God's way because we're bent on doing it our way. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23, it says, A man's pride will bring him what? Low. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. The message translation says this, Pride lands you flat on your face. Humility prepares you for honors. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So when you see destruction taking place, it's because pride's working somewhere. And you cannot be functioning in pride so much that you refuse to obey God's way of functioning in your relationship. Amen. Trouble don't last always. Amen. The New Living Translation of Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10 says, Pride leads to conflict. And that's why a lot of couples end up fighting. I say when I marry people that it's it's better to be reconciled than to be right. Because if one of you win, you both have lost. There's no such thing as a winner in a, in a marital relationship. Either both people win or both people lose, but one don't win and one lose. Amen. Pride is the major roadblock to resetting. It boils down to us just not surrendering to God's way of doing something. Do you know it was Jonah's pride that caused him, watch this now, to experience the storm in his life? The only way a relationship can be reset is for both people to humble themselves and submit to God. Here's reset key number four because y'all getting quiet. Uh, number four, reset, watch this, must be individual before it can be marital. This is so good. I'm going to go back and watch this myself. <laughs> I'm going to send an offering to the church. Reset must be individual before it can be marital. When you stand, listen, church, touch your, touch your spouse and say, if you go to napping, I'm going to go to slapping. Tell them. When you stand before God to give an account on how you manage your relationship, your spouse will not be standing there with you. I'm going to say that again. When you stand before God, because we're all going to stand before God one day. When you and I stand before God to give an account for what, watch this now, for what he gave us stewardship to manage over, your spouse is not going to be standing there with you. Amen. God will be looking at the fruit that you produced. Watch this. Not the waves that babe made. I'm going to say that again. Y'all will get it in a minute. Y'all will get it in a minute. Yeah. How many got pet names in your, in your relationship? Pet names, pet names, you know, yeah, yeah. I think when I get married again, I think I'm going to call mine Sweet and Low. That's going to be my name. <laughs> Sweet and Low. <laughs> Sweet and Low. <laughs> I'm going to be so sweet, I'm going to give her cavities. Praise the Lord. Okay, y'all get back here, get back here. God will be looking at the fruit we produce, not the waves that babe made. 
The goal is for each person to strive, listen church, to please God. That's what it boils down to. When it comes to marriage, really the goal is for you to please God. And when you please God, you will please your spouse. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So faith is trusting in God's way, even though you can't see a way. Here's reset key number five. I need to hurry up. Don't assume before you presume. Don't assume before you presume. In other words, never assume something. If your spouse comes in and they look upset about something, don't assume, oh, they're mad at me. I did this. I did that. No. Don't make that assumption. Ask them, honey, is everything okay? And the problem is a lot of people presume or they assume, and when they do, their assumption's wrong. So listen, do you know that when you assume something before you get the information about it, that's really called judging? Here's reset key number six. Reprioritize your priorities toward your spouse. In other words, re-examine your actions and your attitude and make sure that your spouse is first or second to your relationship with God. Are they a priority? Have you made your spouse your priority? Do you need to reprioritize? What are some of the things that you used to do that you don't do no more? Maybe I should name some. How many guys, how many of you used to open the door for your wife? You, you used to open it up. You know, when y'all first got married, you used to. Okay. All right. Uh, that all? You saying, well, uh, how many still do it? How many still do it? Okay, good, good, good. All right. All right. So, you know. How many wives, your husband opens the door for you, you get in the car, and you used to say thank you? Used to. Used to. See, here's the problem. Because, see, some of y'all, I heard somebody say, that's his job. See, that's your problem. That's your problem right there. No, no. See, it, everything in a relationship that is done by the other person deserves some kind of respect or some kind of something saying, I appreciate it. But I, he, she ought to do that. No, she don't have to do it. She don't have to fix your plate, man, to God. What's wrong with thank you? Thank you, honey, for fixing my plate. I really appreciate that. You know what's going to happen? She's going to keep fixing it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when you tell him, thank you for opening the door, when you tell him, thank you. See, because when I get in the back and I talk to the men, most of them's problem is they feel they're not appreciated enough. You know, they're like, they're like, pastor, she don't appreciate I get up every morning and go to work. And the ladies think, well, I get up and go to work too. But you may not need the appreciation like he needed. Come on now. So you got to reprioritize your priorities. Here's the last one. You must grow personally 
so your relationship can grow intimately. I'm going to say that again. You must grow personally so your relationship can grow intimately. One of the reasons married couples stop having sex. Yes, I'm about to say it. I saved the last three minutes for this. Because y'all would have checked out on me if I said it early. You'd have checked out on me. So I'm going to say it right here. If you have a sexless marriage, and that's not an agreed thing on both parts, Houston, we have a problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Why was sex important when you first got married and it ain't now? Oh, so why are you not having sex? Are you, are you having it with somebody else? Just look straight. No, I won't know. Just look right here. Why are y'all not having sex? I, I just want to know. You used to. What has changed? The intimate climate has changed. And that usually changes because your hearts and attitudes toward each other has changed. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, like something's wrong medically and all that. I'm not talking about that. Don't, 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 don't. That's the only real small percent over here. And, and even in some cases, that can be fixed too. There's a solution for every problem if you want it fixed. I'm going to ask the question again. Why y'all not having sex? Regularly. That's four words. Regularly. Why? Now, look, some of y'all looking like, Pastor, you mean that, that people, yeah, no, 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 y'all, y'all don't know. Listen, I'm, listen, Linda, listen, listen, listen. No, I have meetings with couples that have had sex in 365 days four times. Four. Four. That's a problem. Yeah. So my question is, what has happened in the relationship that has caused intimacy to go down. Guess what? We got a heart problem. So with every head bowed, because I believe God's going to do a reset right now. I tell you what, look up real quick for a minute. Look up. So I was going to have y'all to, to, to renew your vows all together right now, but some of y'all ain't ready. And y'all have just been doing it because I asked you to. But some of y'all need to renew your vows you can do it at home and something, but, but everybody's not ready. I believe God's going to do a supernatural reset to some of y'all's hearts today. Because I'm going to tell you something. Remember last week I told you God told me that a lot of married couples are being tested. And he said if they pass the test, they have not seen the increase and the favor and the blessings that are going to come in their relationship. It's coming. But see, you got to pass the test. So with every head bow, every eye closed. Lord, I, I know in my heart that I gave them what you wanted me to give them. So, Holy Spirit, do what I can't do. And that is to go on the inside of every heart. Go on the inside of every mind. And those who are open, willing, and ready, even though their feelings may not feel like what I'm preaching, 
that they will with their heart surrender to you. And I ask Holy Spirit that you begin right now to go on the inside of hearts, begin to change mindsets, bring down every stronghold, bring down every demonic power. I say in Jesus' name, I speak to the devil. I say devil and every demonic force that has had an assignment on any marital relationship in this church and those who are watching me, I counsel the assignment as their shepherd and as their pastor and I declare in Jesus' name, no weapon formed against that relationship will prosper. And Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over every marital relationship. And I thank you for supernatural things taking place after today. And Lord, I thank you for doing exceeding and abundantly above all I could ask, think, or imagine. And it's in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Amen. Right there, whatever head's still bowed. If, if you die today and you're not sure you go to heaven, I want to pray for you.